Nation, I would like to issue a formal apology to anybody listening to this who's been able to pick up on the fact that I am speaking in more hushed tones than usual um, and with a slight lisp. Now, I wish I could tell you that my mouth injury, which I'm currently dealing with, came from a good on-brand story. Like, oh, I was out late and somebody said something to me that didn't didn't mesh well and I lost my temper because I had been drinking and the next thing you know, I hit her and she hit me and my mouth is swollen. No, no, I'm sorry, guys. I did not sustain this injury during a late night in a club, nor did I sustain it during sex. I sustained this injury from biting into a croissant too quickly and too hard. <laughs> my third croissant of the day. Yes, I should mention I am recording this from Petty. So when I say today, bonjour, 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 my degenerate angels, I mean it because I'm in Paris. Do you die? I die. So wait, hold on. Let's see. This is what it sounds like if I hold my lip away from my teeth when I speak. So I think it's better off for me to kind of sound like I might be chewing on a cotton ball, snacking on a cotton ball like a good skinny bitch. Um, But anyway, just that's what we're dealing with. But another episode of Tales of Taboo, your favorite anonymous church confessions booth meets trashy daytime television program where we talk about all people, ideas, and experiences that make the majority of polite society clutch their pearls. For those of you who are new here, my name is Allie Weiss. I'm a Z-list performer and writer from downtown New York City with very large eyebrows, a very small drinking tolerance, and a monthly therapy bill that I can't really afford. And welcome to the last day of Rush Week, bitches! Over the past few episodes, we have been celebrating and shaming sorority culture. I've gone solo telling my own story about getting kicked out of my sorority in a school-wide quote-unquote scandal. And then for another episode, I collected insanely juicy confessions about actual scandals of hazing and discrimination and sexual assault from women around the country. And today, I am so excited to present two interviews with three awesomely loud and proud women on social media. We have Alyssa Schoner, Becca Moore, and Eli Rallo. Alyssa went to the University of Alabama and Becca to Ohio, but both of them were essentially tricked into joining houses that they had nothing in common with. So I talked to them about the reasoning behind their very overt platinum blonde makeovers, the insane standard of beauty at their respective schools and reinventing themselves both socially and economically by joining sororities. And then Eli was a student at the University of Michigan where she dropped out of her top sorority very quickly. Years later, though, she wrote this expose on the racist and sexist and classist undercurrents of Greek life throughout history, not just what she was seeing, but also historically. And she did this for her school's newspaper, which had a readership of over 50,000 people. So we chat about struggling to be the odd girl out and what the meaning of 
real journalistic freedom is and how doing the right thing isn't always so black and white. So if you haven't listened to the two episodes that came before this one, you should. Third, I was going to say third time's the charm, but that's not the right saying here. Three's company. That's a little bit better, but still not the right thing. Oh my God, I've been holding that in for so long. It had to come out. But anyway, yes, listen to all of the above. As usual, if you have questions, comments, complaints, concerns, you loved what you heard, you hated what you heard, all of these episodes brought up your own repressed memories of sorority abuse, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Allie Weissworld or email me at AllieWeissWorld at gmail.com. And without further ado, let's go. I was basically living in like so-called Trump's America like years before that was a thing. I did not grow up listening to country music. No one I knew wore cowboy boots. Like everyone in New York is just culturally Jewish. Like none of us are religious, but like everyone's a Jew and like <laughs> everyone is sarcastic. Everyone's brunette. Like all of these things that you're just like, yeah, this is like another day in the life. I was thrown for such a loop like when I went to my school I was like I, this is just an entirely different world and that's partially why I did it but it was also very shocking so I'm curious to know like what took you from Jersey to Alabama and how how that like affected your life like right out of the gate um so I guess like in high school I started out this really like prestigious private high school I was like in Honest, I was like a scholarship kid, but it was one of those like schools that are like $45,000 a year. Your parents are millionaires. Like, and I had a really, really like traumatic experience there. So I guess like when I was looking for colleges, I didn't want to go to like a small, you know, private like school. I wanted to go to like a big public school yeah. with like where no one knows who I am. Like, and you know, the football, the Greek life, all of that. And Alabama um, does a really good job of going into like the public schools in New Jersey and like recruiting people that'll pay like the out-of-state tuition. I knew that like, even if I was going to have like that weird culture shock, I wasn't like, I was going to be with people that also understood it. Got it. And then when you showed up, were you like, what the fuck? Or was it like a pretty easy transition? Um, no, it was definitely like a rough transition. I think like the trans everyone has a rough transition when they move away from school and like go to college. So I had like that. And then I was also like in the South around people who I like was not anything like, especially my sorority was a traditionally like Southern sorority. We'll obviously like talk more about sororities, but it was an old row house. So that's like down there is considered like prestigious and like a top house. And uh, most of the girls come from like old Southern money so going through like the rush process, like even just walking into the house during rush, I was like, I'm like, this just doesn't like feel like me. And yeah. I also like, I was brunette. Like I was not that cute back then. Like <laughs> brunette, super pale. Um, just like, like, I just didn't look like I was from there. And I think that's why the house I was in, like, wanted me as much as they did because they realized so many girls are coming from the Northeast, like sooner or later, they're going to have to integrate like Northern girls into their house. And I yeah. unfortunately was like in the first pledge class to really do that. Oh which my is God, you were the guinea pig. That, but it's mm -hmm. insane that that's like diversity. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. like diversity. Like a for, like, older. <laughs> Just they're, like, they're like, yeah, we need like, a, we need some brunettes from like New Jersey. 
So yeah. crazy. So when did your like Bama makeover happen then? Was this like right away that you were um, like, holy shit, I need some bleach. <laughs> so once the Twitter started blowing up, I was like, I just need to like really dive into this brand of like Alabama sorority girl. And I was like, I need to like dye my hair. I need to like tan. And also this, this, there was this girl and she was so hot. Like she was like, the, she was in like an old row sorority down there like so pretty had like this long blonde hair and she was super tan and my boyfriend like tried to cheat on me with her and I was like I just need to look like that <laughs> really oh you never told me that. You so never your aesthetic then, was inspired by like your nemesis it was kind oh. of like yeah I was like and then the brand started happening and I was like I just really need to like embody this Oh my God. That is incredible that you were like, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to turn myself into the person I hate. And also like, so <laughs> when you made that transition, like I have to ask when you became more like the traditional Bama girl, did you find yourself like getting more male attention, like feeling more accepted, like going to my school was the first time that like I ever really started doubting my looks because you know when I was a teenager in New York like I always looked much older than I actually was like I talk about this in a lot of like posts and past podcast episodes but I was clubbing from the time that I was 15 like I know that sounds mental but like when you grow up in the city and like you're in the private school system mm -hmm. and you look older you're just like I need it and so like I was in huge clubs with like Calvin Klein models doing drugs when I was a teenager and the fact that I kind of had this like severe look and was 5'10 was such an asset for me because it meant that I could get into these places that my friends couldn't. And then when I went to my school and it wasn't just my sorority that was like super blonde and like looked like Victoria's Secret Angels. My school was ranked like, I think at the time, like the number two hottest school in the country behind only BYU, the Mormon school. And so like, <laughs> clearly they're like also going off this, this template of like being like blonde and skinny and, and tan. And I like started to really question myself. I was like, I, I am not pretty. Like I look so much different than everybody else. Like it really did take a toll on my self-esteem being around a bunch of people who just like were not conditioned to like be attracted to somebody who looked like me. Is this something that you guys both experience kind of feeling like this, this constant comparison to other people? Also, Becca, are you a natural blonde? No, you can tell. No, I'm not. I was. Oh, I, was I actually super... can via zoom. I'm like, this looks great. <laughs> this looks totally natural. You were born with no. gray hair. I was actually a super ugly kid. I'm not like, I'm not even trying to be funny. I really was my, my, even my family, like they would recognize that like all my siblings were so cute and like, they were like, and then they would like skip over my name. Oh, I, cause like, I had four oh. siblings. And so that, that kind of gave me like a vendetta, like my whole life growing up, I was like, I'm going to be beautiful one day. Like I literally like would dedicate all this time to like figuring out what it is that people like to look at. And so when I got to college, I was telling everyone I'm going to, uh, it was like right when I got to college, I dyed my hair blonde. We grew up really poor, like really poor. And so the fact that I joined a sorority and like was acting like all of these sorority girls and like, just, I came back different. They were like, they, and honestly, to this day, I feel like my family's still having trouble accepting like the fact that I have blonde hair now. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like I'm just like the odd one out and they think I'm like superficial, but, um, I think that like looking a certain way isn't, doesn't automatically make you superficial. D did you feel like you had to look a certain way in order to be beautiful? And then when you like played into that, did you notice like 
right away like oh fuck like I was right yeah it was like it was a 180 for sure like the second I dyed my hair and came back and went out like people were talking to me like for the first time yeah I'd say I remember like it was like a few months after I like had like my little makeover I was like out at a bar and this football player came up to me and he was like oh like you're that girl and he was like hitting on me and I was like am I like hot now like what is going on obviously we have been hearing a lot on social about Bama rush I mean I I knew nothing about the University of Alabama before that blew up nor did I care about Alabama and like now obviously this has brought like a lot of stuff to life and I think that at Alabama, it's kind of like magnetized because the school is so big. And obviously now there are so many eyes on it, but I do think that a lot of like how Alabama works is not like dissimilar from a lot of other schools that have a big Greek life presence. So Becca, I would actually love to like start with you and ask you to kind of generally tell me like a little bit about how big of a role like sororities played in your school's community So I did not know I was going to rush. I didn't know what Greek life was until um, like senior year of high school. But like, I was like, that's not something I'll do. Um, I showed up to Ohio Ohio University, which is a party school. So um, when I joined though, my whole life completely changed. It changed literally everything about me. Did you feel like you gave an authentic version of yourself when you were going through rush or did right away you kind of catch on to like, okay, here's the house I want and here's how I need to behave in order to get there. No, I was, I was, oh my God, I literally had no idea. I was so in the dark that I started Googling, like, what are you supposed to talk about during rush? And so I just started acting like a Wikipedia version of myself where it was like, I was like saying things like I would never say that. Like all of a sudden I was talking about charity that I, I was like, I don't, I'm like poor, (laughs) especially when you're 18 going through rush, you don't know yourself at all. Like you don't know anything about yourself. I still don't know anything about myself, but I can't even imagine like pretending to like be like a weird version of myself at 18. That's like really weird. Or like, I think the Greek life is a weird reflection of like the highest version of something that you want to be. And you get to like, choose which one, like, really hot like really fun girl or like really hot housewife girl and then get something about getting rejected by like the secret girl that you like secretly want to be like but you're not something about getting rejected by that like it's so painful and like traumatic and then just to like put so much into these houses and be like if these girls don't want me like I can't be what I want to be then I can never be manicured I can never have my stuff together no like it's not true Hi, I'm Josie Toda. I'm Alicia Pascual Peña. And I'm Yasmin Hamidi. We're three best friends, like literally sisters out of the same womb. We're also actresses and disruptors and the host of new Crooked Media podcast, Dare We Say. Every week, we'll dive into the issues affecting our generation from income inequality, LGBTQ rights, and the nightmare that is ours landing page. This is about to get, dare we say, heated. New episodes drop every Thursday starting August 11th. Subscribe to Dare We Say wherever you listen to your podcasts. And it sounds so so crazy talking about it, but like anybody who's been in a school, whether it's big or small, where Greek life is such a big part of like how things operate, it's, it's all consuming. It feels like the only option. Individuality is something that's such an asset on social media and it's it's such a necessary asset to succeed in a big way in the real world if you don't want to just like be another number at JP Morgan. But when you're at school standing out, like you're you're shamed to like stand right. out. Right. And it's so Weird. bizarre because people people are so multidimensional. Like everyone's so multidimensional. 
so how can like so it's almost like you're saying like an alpha fee not you but like the yeah. system alpha fee can't be like funny like you just have to be perfect quiet like a housewife so like it's like confusing when you get into that world you're like oh am I just supposed to be like a blank hot girl like no thoughts no emotions and that's like ongoing pressure that sometimes I still feel where it's like should I just be quiet on social media like should I just not say what I think like I don't know like let these guys be smarter than me like they're supposed to they're allowed to like talk on social media they're allowed to drink they're allowed to be fun on social media why can't girls like and that was something that I always struggled with all four years but I was quiet like all four years it's a microcosm of how our society works with like frats calling all the shots and frats deciding like who the top houses are and like sororities trying to be the top house so that they can get invited to like the best frat parties I mean the truth of the matter is is like this is not any different from like how things work in this right and like it's it's all it is seriously all it is is a reflection of like the u.s like racism like sexism all of it plays out on like a larger scale in greek life greek life is literally just i was thinking about this before i went to bed last night all it is is like a glorified pyramid scheme all think about it yeah because all you're doing is recruiting other girls to sell your hat like just to pay thousands of dollars a semester all it is is a pyramid scheme. Think about it. Mm-hmm. You're anyways, literally an yeah. Avon girl if you're in a sorority. You know, you're doing like Mary Kay <laughs> going door to door. It's like the exact same fucking thing. No, you're you're entirely correct. And then Alyssa, for you, obviously, like Bama is so big and you do have like these historic houses. I mean, was it part of the deal even coming from Jersey to like kind of know where you wanted to be before you entered into what I'm sure was like a psycho rush process? So, um, the houses at Bama, like they're very divided by like where you're from. Um, an old row house is going to be a girl who's like in state, um, from like a specific like suburb of Birmingham. So like mountain Brook will go to like KD, like super specific. They want to make sure that their high school friend group is like intact throughout college basically. And that they're like going to be on exec and KD and they're going to like like they want to make sure that they're all going to stay intact. So then there's the new row sororities and those are kind of divided by like where you're from too, even though they're like way more diverse as far as region goes. If you were from New Jersey, when I was rushing in 2017, um, you were going to go like Alpha Phi or Zeta, but an Alpha Phi at Alabama is not considered as far as ranking what Alpha Phi would be considered at like ASU. So at ASU, like Alpha Phi is like top there because they're super hot, fun girls who like love to party. But at Alabama, they're like considered like low tier because they're super hot and love to party. And and they have like low GPAs. That's so interesting to me about like what constitutes like a good or like desirable woman. I mean, again, Mm -hmm. like we're talking about how this whole system is just like a microcosm of American life. It's so true that like where you are, like being hot and wanting to have a good time, like not an asset. Like you want a girl who like raises money for charity and is like a good girl. And with Greek life, like you can, you don't have to be that person to like be in it. You just have to play the part as where like in real life, like I know like in high school, like I struggled because I went to school with people that had like indoor pools and I was like, I cannot like, it was, I was always so self-conscious of the fact that like my parents, like at the time when I was a freshman in high school, my parents were like really poor. Like my dad didn't have a job. My mom doesn't have a college degree. Like you ended up 
in one of those old row houses, right? Mm -hmm. Not by choice though. I knew I didn't have the connections for Zeta because a lot of it is connection based, but I knew I had the connections for Alpha Phi. So I went with Alpha Phi all the way through to prep. And I um, told the house I ended up being in the old row house. I was like, I don't see myself here. I had just like stopped dancing after 15 years of like doing it competitively. Like I had no idea like how to make friends without having dance. Like I had no idea what to do. So I wanted to be an Alpha Phi so bad. And I told the house I was in, I don't want to like be here. And I guess the way it works at Alabama is they say it's mutual selection, but it's really not mutual selection at all. Um, The computer makes your bid list. So if the house ranks you really high on their bid list, the computer's automatically going to like match you with them. So like there are those like instances where, you know, you get your third choice house. And that's like ended up what happened to me. I got dirty rushed, which means like, I was like, yeah. if you don't know what that means, basically it means like people are like telling you which house to put like girls from the house or like, you're not supposed to do that or else like you, everyone gets kicked out or like they get like in big trouble, but like they were doing it to me, whatever. I'm so in the dark. I don't know what's going on. So I put them as my top house. So I knew I was going to, I knew where I was ending up from the beginning, just because I really wanted to be friends with these girls. They were like older and like hot and fun. And then bid day was like, that's when I started realizing oh my God, no, like, I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I don't belong here. Like, I don't. Wow. Like that first day, like. Yeah. So I went home. Yeah. I went home. Well, like I liked those girls. We went out, we did go out together. It was fun. Like I was happy with them, but like, like looking around, I was like, you tricked me. So what was your house? Like, like, how would you summarize the girls in your house? It was like, mine was like mid tier house. Wasn't even a top tier house, but like I was, I resented it the entire time I like the entire four years people were using me as like the star of the show because I was the only one that like cared about like the fr- like I would get invited to like the parties with the frat guys but I was the only one in my sorority so like they would use me to like um dm the guys or like get on group me and like make a group me with like my sorority and the other frat guys because guess what that entire group of hot girls the fun hot girls, they all dropped when they realized, oh my God, it's only us. It's all, we're the only ones we have. But by that time I had signed a contract to live in the house. So like, basically I like had signed a lease. So I couldn't get out no matter what I did. Like I, they would never, they wouldn't kick me out for like two years. I was so bad. Like I was drinking, like I was trying to get the chef to take shots with me. Like I was like sneaking out every night. I hadn't, I didn't show up to any meetings, but they still wouldn't kick me out. And I don't have, like, I never made like a single, like genuine genuine friendship so I grew up like like I said I was really ugly growing up so being like the star of the show was like huge for me so like I loved it and then I ended up really I really did end up forming like real connections with the girls once I like got over like how mad I was at those girls for tricking me honestly it made me a better person and now I don't like I would never I just think like appearance wise, I would never judge anyone anymore. These girls were like, had the best personalities. Like they were so funny and they like, yeah, they used me to like get into frat parties, which like, I don't really care about that. Like that's such a stupid thing to be like, it's I community care. service. I, you did community right, like, service. They should have given you hours and they, like, for that. But like, it was like, they, I really, to this day, they've all like reached even the president of like every year of my sorority has reached out to me and said like, Hey, I saw your TikToks. I'm so sorry if we made you feel that way. So yeah, I've, I have mixed, mixed emotions about being used as a, as a mascot. Do you think that there is a way to fix this 
system. I hate the like grandiose question of, do you think that like Greek life should be abolished? But like, I'm curious to know if you think it should be. And if, if it were to stick around, if there really is a way to kind of change how materialistic and like surface level everything is, or if you're just like fighting against too much history where like, it's impossible to make that happen. There's no right answer here. I'm genuinely just curious about your opinions. Greek, all Greek life is, is a reflection of um, traditional U.S. society or like almost like 1950s to 60s, like society of like what they thought was beautiful. And like, I think that the only way to fix Greek life without getting rid of it, I'm not saying I want to get rid of it, by the way, I'm just like speaking like freely. I think the only way to fix Greek life would be to fix the U.S. I think that in like 10 to 20 years, Greek life is going to be like abolished. I really do. I don't think it's sustainable and like our hopefully in our society in like 30 years we're not like judging people based off their skin color or if they're a brunette or a blonde I think what's probably gonna happen is that the same way that like everything else in this country works it's gonna be like a very regional thing like a north versus south Mm -hmm. like I think that we're gonna see like an increase in like people's political affiliations like affecting yeah what is permitted in their like regions Mm -hmm. and you know like as as great as it is that you know some people would see like why this system as it currently stands is problematic it's also it causes like more divide and we're already dealing with so much divide it's it's really tough like I think that you're right I think that like as society progresses and people's tolerance for bullshit and like just hatred like shrinks we are going to see like a rise in certain places being like, we need to move forward and also a rise in other places being like, no, we need to hang on to good American values. I don't like necessarily want it to be like abolished, but I do like think at this point, like that's like the only like solution when I like look at it from the perspective of like what it's like at an SEC school. Like, I don't think there's like any reforming that. Like, I don't think like all those girls, like their list, like, the girls in those old like row houses, their parents were in those houses and their grandmas were in those houses. Like, it's like a very like, like they look at it as like, that's like their blood. Alabama Greek life was only desegregated. Is that the word? Yeah. Desegregated um, in 2015. Shut up. Yeah. That's when they bid the first black girl was 2015 or 2014. It's just so engraved in like generations of people in Alabama that there's no like you won't be able to reform it you won't even be honestly I don't even think they'll ever be able to abolish it I remember you can put this in there because it's like an actual story he said it like publicly um the president of our university my freshman year I think it was his first year he said to like a news article he was like on he's really anti-greek life well he was he doesn't talk about it anymore this is why he said to one of the papers he was like yeah honestly i don't know why we give these frats 20 million dollar houses so they can like beat each other up in them but we do um like sarcastically like referring to hazing and then someone made like a huge donation to the school and he like rescinded his statement and like never talked about it again you have to think about like all those wealthy Greek life alum, how much money they're donating to like the football program or how many of them are boosters. Um, Just like stuff like that. Like, it's just so hard to even like reform or like get rid of it. It would need a revolution. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm apologizing for the second time in this episode. And I'm apologizing for how many times I said like in that interview 
As you can hear, when I get excited and a conversation is flowing organically, all of my hard-earned theater training falls right off and the real me gets exposed the same way when I drink, my New York accent comes out. But I can't show you guys all of my colors, so I'm not going to imitate that right now. Instead, moving on to Eli Rallo. So give us some background. I know you went to the University of Michigan. Are you comfortable sharing what sorority house you were in? Yeah, uh, I was in Sigma Kappa. Okay. And I don't know what you were like in high school, but what I was like in high school is that I was like a theatery kid. I was like editor-in-chief of the yearbook. I ran cross-country. I did these more like nerdier things. Oh my God, you were like the president of the United States. Overachievers are I was such an overachiever. But I was like the kid who like, I wanted to be a Rory Gilmore before I matured enough to realize she sucks. Like I wanted to go to Yale and read books. And everything is like putting me at Michigan. Like it feels like a gut instinct. Like I got it on Christmas Day. It was totally weird and all these things. And it just felt like a gift. Like I had to go. And I was nervous because social anxiety, huge thing in my life. Drinking, wasn't a big drinker in high school. Partying, not really my forte. Sports, not really my thing. But I was like, I'm going to have this theater community. Yeah. But this school is so gigantic. So I get there and I am like, I'm not sure if I'm going to rush. I've never had a family member do it. I've never known an older friend or cousin. I'm the oldest cousin. Yep. Never known someone to do it. And I remember telling my parents like two days before and they were surprised, but supportive. And so I went into it literally knowing nothing and claiming ignorance is a privilege, but I literally knew nothing. Like looking at these Bama Rush talks is funny to me because I was just like pulling Kate Spade and J. Crew and like Marshall's things out of my closet and being like, we're going to go and we're going to do this thing. And like, not to say that I didn't look good, but like I wasn't thinking about it like that. And so I went through the process and it was really easy for me, as it is for people that are like me and you, people that are like conventionally societally attractive, people that are white, people that come from a stable family, people that have interests to talk about or travels to, that they've gone on. Like it's going to be so comfortable for somebody like that. But I was getting like triggers as I went through. Like I remember I was at like the Kappa house and they asked me like where my earrings were from and what my dad did. And like, things started to seem slimy to me, yeah. but I was I was falling back on this idea of like belonging like I wanted to so badly like belong in a group with my three sororities I had left I had 80 pi gamma phi and sigma kappa and in the rankings that Michigan has I'd come to known throughout the process that sigma kappa was the best sorority out of those and that's just a disgusting thing in in it of itself but it is obviously something that everybody knows and everybody is talking about and if somebody says that they didn't know about it they are lying because you can't stand in a rush line with 80 girls walking into a house and not realize it and you can't walk around at these houses and not realize that the best quote-unquote houses are girls that are society's idea of perfect yeah and so I was also hooking up with an older guy who was pushing me to pick Sigma Kappa because he knew that that it was the best one and if I picked it it would up his popularity level as well I wanted to be cool I wanted to be liked I'd never had that feeling before of walking in somewhere where everyone is quote-unquote hot and they want me around and that is like that is something that I'm willing it's sad but I'm willing to admit that it's true and so that's why I ranked it first and I got it and so and that was like this foray into this world that I was like freaking excited about like I was like wow like it was like that moment for me yeah I actually had a strikingly similar experience to you so I'm a born and raised New Yorker from Greenwich Village almost every person who went to high school with me went to like a Bard or a Wesleyan or just like a 
some something along the a RISD. And so like I don't think a lot of people graduated from my high school with dreams of joining a sorority. Yeah. But I was so wild between the ages of like fifteen and eighteen that I was like, I need something strikingly different and I went to California. Okay. And I had two freshman year roommates. They were both locals to where my school was. I was the shortest one in the room and I was 5'10". The other one was like 5'11", and the other one was like six feet, platinum blonde. Literal models. Like they looked like, you know, the classic like Southern California babe in like a billabong ad. Yeah. And they, because they were local to where the school was, came in knowing what houses they wanted to join. And like you, I was a theater student, but unlike you I never felt connected to the theater community like internally I always felt like such a theater person I still do and now at 28 I'm very comfortable with that but when I was in high school and I was doing theater as an extracurricular a it was because it was like I was the only thing that I was good at and it also was like what got me into college but I never felt like I was kind of on equal footing with the people that I was surrounded by. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, like, by day, I was going to a very granola, crunchy private school doing theater. But by night, because I looked like this when I was 15, I was in clubs. I was, like, hanging out with promoters. I was hanging out with models. I was doing drugs. Like, my lifestyle was kind of fast and hard. So I chose to go to California to hang out with, like, surfers and skaters and, like, people who didn't understand sarcasm. I was like, I need something very different from what I was used to. And so both of my roommates didn't even see it as an option to not rush. They were like, this is imperative. I went to a very small school, but something like 50 to 60% of the population was in Greek life. Like, it's just what you did. It was what you did. And so I was like, same thing that you had told my family. And they were like, what? But My parents were like, are you good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just kind of like, no, it's like the normal like thing to do. So the process was kind of effortless and I ended up landing in Alpha Phi. I I think that at the time I was so, I was so wrapped up in like, honestly, appearances. And and I I don't mean that just in like, these girls are so hot. I want to be a part of that. Like the fact that they put out this ultra manicured image and Mm -hmm. everybody seemed to want to like date them and be friends with them. And these girls were like smart and they just, everything was so together. I internally was such a mess that, you know, something that I was thinking about as I was mailing out this questionnaire for this episode coming up about the sororities is like, I asked the people I sent it to, do you feel as though you faked your way through Rush? And I don't, feel as though I faked my way through Rush, but I absolutely like put forth a super manicured and subdued version of myself that I think was like, a, it was a sell. It worked. But I think that like, we'll fast forward to when I ultimately got kicked out my junior year. I think that not showing the full breadth of my personality when I was rushing actually made it so that a lot of girls who were older than me and like members of Panhellenic were like really shocked when they saw who I actually was when you look beyond how I look and the fact that I was like from New York but isn't that like such a problem like they find out your true personality which all human beings are like so many different things and like there's a lot of chaos there and there's a lot of like growth that needs to be done especially when you're 18 Mm -hmm. but they find out who you are and they're like oh we no longer want you because you're not boring quiet and gorgeous you're just gorgeous yeah when did you feel like 
it all started going wrong for you? Was it kind of from the get that like you accepted this bid, you got the letters, you joined the house, you're like, yay, I'm in a hot girl sorority, but like, yikes, I don't belong here? Or was it kind of like a gradual process where you started to see how the inner workings functioned and then you were like, ugh, like I'm actually not into this? It was sort of a combination. So like I was dating this guy who was in a quote bad frat at Michigan. Okay. My sorority, if you look at the rankings, they call it like bottom top tier or like like okay. if, the, if you look at the top tier at Michigan there's like five houses can you rank them for me I'm curious I don't know exactly how it is and I hate this shit so much I know but it's roughly like Alpha Phi Tridelt Kappa Sigma Kappa A Kyo okay in some correlation where Alpha Phi and Tridelt are always the top two yeah. and the other three move around yeah based on how hot men find them right probably. and also like based on if they have a couple girls who are not like conventionally attractive you want to hear something fucked up I do girls in my sorority used to call them noodles who slipped through the cracks yeah, like awful. you would see them in a lineup and these girls would be like oh my god how'd that noodle get here and I'm like that quote unquote noodle is probably a fucking genius and like and has like a much coolest better personality girl than you ever will yeah. and it's like it just it also makes me feel sick personally because I've always kind of had like that actor complex but this kind of like disassociative issue where like how I feel inside does not match how I look like yeah. it has been a big issue in therapy for me for as long as I can remember that like you can't help what you're born looking like yeah. you can diet you can wear makeup you can even get plastic surgery which like I never have but fundamentally I didn't choose to be born with big eyebrows and a five foot ten frame yeah. and like big tits and yeah, like no. a face shape that people like like you have no control over that internally I, I function like a 48 year old woman yeah. you know and so it was so hard for me to watch these girls describe other girls as like noodles when because like, I'm, I feel like the I'm like I am a noodle and yeah. I also know that the fact that I subdued myself in such a way that like I made you not realize that I'm a noodle but also like we I could have the exact same personality as the quote unquote noodle but it would be okay for me so it's because like, they thought I was yeah. hot and you're like and I want to kind of want to be a noodle like right. once you realize that you're like pressing yourself down oh my god but, yeah. yeah similarly to me I heard stuff like crack slipper and I was dating this guy in this like bad quote frat and I really really didn't like the way the girls in my sorority the older girls were talking about matching with the frats for parties I thought it was really exclusive and then there was an incident super early on a second week where my sorority gets invited to one of the be best frats on Michigan's campus and one of the girls in my pledge class said we should all and they're all so excited to go because it's like we'd never get invited to hang out with them we always get invited to hang out with like number four but never number one and so one of the girls in my pledge class says I just want everyone to be careful my roommate went there last week and she was drugged right so this girl says this from my pledge class a young girl first year second week in the sortie okay an older girl who's very outspoken the year older than us says in the chat we cannot be publicizing that or we'll never get invited back there so in my head I'm like and a lot of girls in my pledge class were like red flag but people kind of let it go but in my head I'm like you just said that there all, are that essentially if, rapists there. Rapists, date rape drugs, and the potential for somebody in this, quote, sisterhood to be harmed. You just said that, and you said we shouldn't publicize it. I'm like, I'm about to post this shit on my Instagram story. So I said, I'm done going to these mixers. It was literally two weeks in. So I started only going to the, quote, bad frats, where I felt safe. I felt happy. The guys wanted me around. I didn't walk down into the basement and get treated like a piece of meat. I walked down there, and the boys were hugging me, dancing with me, pouring me drinks that I knew were not contaminated with anything because they were good people. And I started to get, not hate, but it was like, why would she, she'll never come with us? She's never going to do 
do that. And it's making us look, look bad. bad. But I was afraid because I was insecure to say anything. So I just didn't. I just minded my fucking business for two years. A rumor started to go around that I was going to drop and write an expose. Big campus rumor at a huge school. The paper didn't want to publish something that was butting heads with Greek life. It's a huge thing at Michigan. Right. So they said that I had to do it in a way that was smart and a way that was unbiased, which was hard because everybody knew the bias I was bringing in. Right. So it was a lot of conversations. It was like one of my first big journalism moments that I felt like I was actually like working a journalist. I mean, enough people go to your school that your newspaper is legit as hell. Gigantic. How many people go to Michigan, roughly? Like 45,000. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the population of a small town. Exactly. Like, you know? Oh, that's and the newspaper people. is a daily paper. Yeah. And then it also is the main source of news for Ann Arbor and some of Metro Detroit. Holy hell. So it's like it's no joke. And and they knew the article would go absolutely viral. I don't name the sorority once. And I do, if anybody wants to go read it, take a very unbiased approach. You do. I read it and I was like, actually, I expected this to be a lot more like flaming and vicious than it yeah. actually was. But I understand that you had an editor. Yeah. So I stayed on with the paper over COVID because they let some of us do that. So I wrote it after I graduated and I sat on my hands for like two years waiting to write it. In, in any situation, it's good to get some distance from something that's creating like a massive emotional response so that you can reflect on it and and do it calmly and especially if you're a journalist do it with a clear head but I want to fast forward because I'm extremely interested I want to fast forward to what happened when that article dropped so you graduated during the pandemic yeah so I left school okay so what was the fallout because obviously during the pandemic like I would imagine Greek life was not booming or I mean what are you gonna do like have parties on zoom so like when what kind of let you know okay this is the right time for me to drop this article and then I'm sure that there was some sort of aftermath so there was aftermath before I even dropped it so it was a series of conversations because when I say everybody knew how I felt everybody knew how I how I felt yeah I literally would go to game days with Sigma Kappa sweatshirts that I really liked that were vintage and cross out the name like people knew how I felt oh shit you were making a public statement oh I was making a public statement and I quite frankly did not care I was like this system is busted I don't care if people have issues with that yeah and in the article you can read very well that you can also have benefits from it and I'm not trying to take that away from right I got plenty or say that anybody's a bad person because I also got plenty and I also did it but I was like I feel like I have agency the other thing was that I didn't want to ostracize myself on campus I am not the kind of person that wanted to wake up and walk out of my house the day after that dropped and have people talking about it and knowing that they were talking about it in my classes and whatever else because I did that before I wrote articles about ex-boyfriends left and right that were published and I didn't care as much because it wasn't going to be like a social burn and it wasn't going to be people that I was friends with hating me um all right so now let's talk about TikTok so I was not keeping up when you started talking direct to camera on TikTok about your sorority experiences. In comparison to the journalistic approach that you took when you were writing for the paper, what were you saying in your videos? Were you directly being like, this was my sorority, this is what happened, giving specific examples? Because I'm sure that, I mean, as we've seen from you getting banned, I'm sure the response to that was not Not as friendly. Because that's also just the nature of TikTok is that everyone's a hater. Yeah, there was like a mix of comments, but honestly, I don't I don't remember how in depth I went in the article, but I said I, I talked about like wanting the, this process that we do during rush. So when you're on the other side and you're rushing girls, it's a ranking system on an app one through four. So four is going to be the highest you could give. One is the lowest. If you give a girl all ones because it's four numbers, one, 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 she's absolutely not coming back. It's yeah. called wanting her out. Yeah. If you if you want to give a girl all fours, you have to ask 
one of the executive people because it guarantees them a spot. So it's like this messy thing. So I was for some reason separated from my best friend because they probably hated both of us and didn't want either of us rushing together. Yeah. And so I was rushing with this group of girls and after the girls left, another thing that's indicative of toxicity, instead of ranking them on our own, we ranked them in little groups. Yeah. We talked about it. Right. I had no voice because these girls didn't like me. So whenever they did something misogynistic, racist, sexist, fat phobic, you know, looking at appearances being like this really boring girl who's absolutely stunning we should get her all fours let's ask right i would give her all ones because i was like i'm leaving and i don't care exactly and so i said that on the video it's controversial i know but i don't really care about messing up a system for people who messed up a system for me slash didn't advocate for me didn't care about me and we're being racist also just like i'm sorry to interrupt you but it's like you i've officially been out of college for six years now and i look back and like there were some things that the sorority gave me that were really impactful but you come to realize how absolutely irrelevant your sorority affiliation is in the real world. Yeah. Like, it makes no... People are, like, networking. Right. And I'm like, join a club. Exactly. A club. And people are like, alumni relations or, like, my sorority gave me my bridesmaids. And you know what? Like, both of those things are totally legitimate. But you being in a top house because you were hot when you were college age does not mean that you're going to graduate and get signed by elite models. Like, that's yeah. just not how it works. Doesn't mean that you're going to graduate from school and all of a sudden you're going to be a movie star, it does not mean you're going to graduate from school and have a gorgeous husband and a bunch of beautiful babies. Like, it truly, point A does not lead to point B there. And so, yes, I think that, like, okay, you throwing a wrench in this system that's, like, carefully manicured and tried and true, I can understand why that would be irritating. But on the flip side, what you're doing is basically saying, like, I was fucking up a system where, like, hot people, like, traditionally hot people were the only people who were able to navigate. And it wasn't unfounded. Like, I started doing it because I rushed. I I had one good conversation during rush. And it was with this girl. And she was from India. And her mom was back and forth to Africa on this, like, sick, cool visa doing work about, like, intersectional feminism as it relates to the arts. So this girl wanted to go into theater. But similarly to me, she came into Michigan liberal arts and wanted to transfer in. Same situation. So I am, like, all my shit is in one place like intersectional feminism and theater and art and she's absolutely adorable and animated and fun and I literally was thrilled right I'm like finally finally like she's like-minded she's cool and I'm like and how could they not like her like there's absolutely nothing to not like so we go back to our little group and they're like yeah she doesn't really seem like Sigma Kappa to me I think we should want her out right and so I'm, I literally go, why? And they're like, she's just not giving, like, Scrappa is what we call it on campus. She's not giving Scrappa vibes or, like, Scrappa energy, which is code for she doesn't look right to be right. here. Or we just don't want her to fit in with this image. Right. So that's when I was like, all fours for her. I'll see her at the next round. And I was like, you know what? I want to tell her not to join the sorority anyways. And she's probably going to realize it's phony. She's going to find a better home somewhere that actually embraces her. Yeah. Because that's what she deserves. Yeah. But I don't really care because I want to mess this up for these girls that are being, quite frankly, racist right now. Because if that girl had looked a different way, that would have been a different conversation. And I knew that because I sat in so many conversations where conventionally beautiful girls who had absolutely nothing to talk about and were like... Um, I like, uh, I, like, like not saying anything. And of course they could have been shy, but it was very clear that the way it was working was that if you were conventionally beautiful, oh, can we have all fours for her? 
And I knew that too because before we started, we did a PowerPoint where they showed quote recommended girls Mm -hmm. and they were all hot. And I wanted to stop rushing, but they would fine us hundreds of dollars. And I I was like, my parents aren't going to pay for that. So instead, I'm just going to disrupt this because I'm either going to do passive resistance or active resistance. You have to ask yourself sometimes which one's more worth it. In the case of my parents aren't forking over thousands of dollars and I don't have that, I have to go with the active resistance here. And so I told that story on TikTok that I was wanting girls out when they were supposed to be getting fours and vice versa. And I was messing up the system. There's this famous line of for the girls that you don't want – she would do better in another place. Like, this isn't the right home for her. She needs to go and find, like, a different home. I actually will say, as ridiculous as that line is, controversially, there is some merit there. A, because if you are somebody who is multidimensional and culturally rich and 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 has ways of thinking that like don't brilliant. right don't have ways of thinking that you either naturally don't think the norm or you have no interest in thinking the way that you know dozens to hundreds of other girls do, you are better suited to go somewhere else. But if we're talking about physical appearances, I've thought about this a lot, and the truth of the matter is, I'm not in a place to comment on it because I would need to ask somebody who went through the rush process as somebody who was not conventionally Western, attractive, and white. But if you are somebody where perhaps you're not the thinnest girl in the world, perhaps you don't have the best skin, perhaps you're not cloaked in designer goods, if you get accepted into a sorority, regardless of why it happens, if you get accepted into a sorority that you know is overtly so looks-oriented, how is that going to make you feel both in comparing yourself to your sisters because we all know all women constantly compare themselves to everybody else and when you're surrounded by a bunch of carbon copies who all look the same whether they're blonde brunette jewish christian whatever they all kind of have the same vibe the energy as your ex-sister said when you're surrounded by so much of that you have no choice but to kind of feel that you stick out like a sore thumb i'm curious to know how that would affect somebody's self-esteem yeah and and furthermore you know there is this culture of passive aggressiveness that exists within sorority houses especially if you're in a so-called top house that does draft girls based on how they look how is that girl going to feel sitting in the rush training process as a sophomore looking at the powerpoint and going like oh my god this is how we judge girls girls. If I were in that position, it would send me into an absolute tailspin. And I would be like, what the fuck am I doing here? And then I would start thinking like, is my nose too big? Am I too fat? Am I not blonde enough? Why do these girls like me? Do these girls like me at all? And so I have to wonder like, yes, it's such a stupid concept to say like, that girl's not hot enough for us. She belongs somewhere else. But if you are distinctly the odd girl out in a house that is like overwhelmingly attractive, a la Alpha Phi at my school or it sounds like Alpha Phi at Michigan, yeah. how, how is that going to make someone feel? You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's an no. interesting thing to think about. I think about. it's going to make them feel terrible, but I think then the problem like is the whole structure as it stands because like nobody should be made to feel like that. Like yeah. nobody should. And obviously people are made to feel like that all the time. But in this kind of a situation, like it, when you, I always like, like to dilute things down to the simplest way possible to understand them. So if you diluted this down to the simplest way possible, you're saying we're going to hoard girls dressed in the best clothes they can find into lines. We're going to make them pay money to go into 
random houses they've never been in before. And be judged. And talk, pe- talk to people for five minutes who they've never met. And then they're going to get scored ranking based on their looks, yeah. how much money their dad makes, and like where they traveled most recently. There would be, if we proposed that on a college campus today, if Greek life didn't exist, riots. It would be taken to the Supreme Court yeah. as a case of discrimination. Yeah. And so my thought is like, well, obviously that's pertinent, but I also think it's very clear. Like those girls, number one, don't get into the houses because the other girls don't want them there. But also some girls are like, I don't want to be here. Of like course. this is simply not my shit. I wouldn't fit in. Right. And they're self-aware in that way. But I've also heard stories of girls getting into those top houses who felt as though they were the odd one out and had a miserable time. Well, what's the means to the end? And it is all the male gaze and it is all the patriarchy because yeah. you're here curating these classes. Well, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Frats came first. Yeah. Sororities were formed as a way of sisterhood, but they were formed for only white women who could afford it. Yeah. So on the basis of it, it is racist. Regardless of how far we've come, quote unquote, it is not not racist. Like it was formed as a racist institution. So it was formed for this idea of sisterhood. But then as it developed slowly but surely, it came about how we can mix together with the fraternities and how we can have these social events. Fine. But then it becomes, oh, my sorority would never entertain those boys and they would never, and we would never hang out with them. And so we're curating the classes so that the hot people can meet the other hot people. It it, it caters toward men, even though it's this idea of sisterhood because you think about it and you're like, okay, well, women are not allowed to have parties in their houses, but men are. So they host us. They buy us the alcohol. They bring us in. And the whole thing is that they have to invite us. And we have a social gear too, but we have to communicate with them to figure out what their social schedule looks like. They have to pick up the letter. In the piece that you wrote for the paper, you did talk about, or I don't know if it was you or if it was the um, the other expose that you referenced, but you did talk about what it would look like if Greek life was abolished or, or somebody talked about what it would look yeah, like if Greek, me. yeah what Greek life I mean what it would look like if Greek life was abolished and you know the argument was that people would have to go and join clubs and find like other extracurricular activities and that the nature of society is that we do love community and so we would figure out a way to make that happen but my question is do we not think because as you so beautifully stated Greek life is a microcosm of Western values. Totally. And so even if you take away this kind of expedited way to put all of the hot people together, put all of the rich people together, and then slap some like antiquated Greek letters on them, even if you took that away, do you not think that that would be people's natural inclination to congregate in those groups To do anyway? the same thing. Because I think yeah. a lot about this, and I don't know that there's a right answer. Yeah. I think on the one hand, if there wasn't so much like artificial celebration put onto like the group that you landed in, perhaps people would look to be celebrated for like other reasons besides, wow, I'm hot enough to fit into this organization. But especially if we look at this from the microcosm of New York, hot people tend to hang out with hot people. Yeah, White people... tend to hang out with white people. People of color tend to have no tolerance for white people's fuckery and not want to hang out with them. And yeah. it's like, yes, certain people in, you know, artistic scenes, writers hang out with writers, fine artists hang out with fine artists. If you work in a massive finance firm, you're probably going to hang out with a lot of finance people. But there's always this undercurrent of class and there's always this undercurrent or maybe it's an, an, an overarching overcurrent of 
Western values tell us that like the goal is to be beautiful and the goal is to be rich. So even if you take away the Greek organization, don't you think that people would find a way to instill that anyway? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. the title of the article is maybe isn't it isn't Greek life. Maybe it's us because I came to the conclusion that if we took it away, on the one hand, if you look at other schools where they don't have it, there is less obviously like issues because it's, it doesn't exist. But if we took it away it would be the same shit. It would, it would find a way to work around it being taken away and yeah. continue to operate. But that aside, I think the one thing that taking it away could do is that it doesn't explicitly promote it. Yeah. So you're totally and absolutely right. And I find myself having to push myself out of my comfort zones to meet people who aren't like me. Right. Because we all want to be in an echo chamber. Of it's course. It's easy to be in an echo chamber. Of course. Why wouldn't we want to hang out with people that look like us and talk like us and come from similar backgrounds? It's comfortable. And we want to feel seen. Like the nature of human existence is that we're all lonely and we want to at least have the illusion of being seen. Yeah. And like a lot of times you feel more easily seen by somebody who has a similar background to you. Totally. But I think the problem with it is that it directly promotes these things. Yeah. Wherein it is subliminal when we do that ourselves. It's undercover. Doesn't make it any worse or better. It exists nonetheless. But when we do it explicitly, we make it okay to be doing it outside of there even more so. Right. We, we don't like shake it up and say like, hey, wait, should we look inward? Because that could be a conversation that was much more relevant on a on a like campus like Michigan maybe like oh we're all congregating around like-minded people what if we shook this up somehow what if we had a conversation about why this is the fact that Greek life promotes doing that causes people to be like oh so it's fine right and it causes people in the most privileged places to say oh so it's fine and the people in the most privileged places have the power so then it becomes all the straight white men on Michigan's campus are running this thing in in the social way and then comes next all of the straight white women who come from money family backgrounds all these things they're going to be at the top there becomes a hierarchy there becomes a food chain and it becomes okay because not only are we giving them thousands of dollars these Greek organizations are national organizations yeah. with blue check marks on Instagram yeah that put up a facade. They're governments. They're yeah. literally governments. Oh, it's literally a government. So I think at the end of the day, the problem is not that it would or wouldn't be a thing because it would always be a thing because you're so right. Like we tend to naturally do that and it's terrible. It's not a good thing, but it explicitly promotes doing that. And right. it says not only do that here, do it everywhere. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, and those of you who identify as neither, my name is Ali Weiss and this has been Tales of Taboo. After this episode, there will be no more sorority content. So again, if this is something that interests you, go back for the last two weeks and listen to my solo episode as well as our Anonymous Confessions show. For those of you, again, who are new here, the Anonymous Confessions are what we are really known for. Again, 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 questions, comments, complaints, love letters, hate notes. Um, I'd prefer if you wrote those by hand and then tied them to a pigeon's foot, but if you want them to get to me a little bit faster, you can email them to AllieWeissWorld at gmail.com or you can DM them to me on Instagram at AllieWeissWorld. And most importantly, if you enjoyed this show or even if you didn't, please take a second to subscribe. Your subscription really means a lot. It's very helpful. And also, if you could write a little review on iTunes, you can be in a different language. It can be in gibberish. It can literally just say Ali's eyebrows are too big. As long as you hit five stars, I'm happy. But because I don't have uh, advertising, 
advertisers hawking products that you guys don't want, this show relies on you and your word of mouth and your support. And the easiest, cheapest way that you can support me is by leaving an iTunes review. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited about what we have coming up for the next couple of weeks. And until this coming Monday, be good.